You, you're a new gamer, you're excited about the hobby, but maybe you're afraid of doing it all wrong. We're here to help. Welcome to Tabletop Shop. Welcome back to the Tabletop Shop Podcast. Today we'll be talking about some games we've played this week, and then we'll be diving into one of Shem Phillips' newest releases, Wayfarers of the South Tigers. And after that, for all you noobs out there, stick around, because we're going to talk about a little bit of advice for people that are just getting into the hobby from a couple of seasoned board gamers. I'm Nate Clark, and seated, as always, halfway across the this area of the state from me, is your other <laughs> co-host, Mr. Cody Pennington. Very precise, halfway across this area of the state. It's good. I feel like it doesn't have to be different every time, but it ends up being different almost every time. Well, it kind of does. I mean, if we're going to say halfway across something, you know, that's hard to define sometimes. But but it's not always halfway across. It just happens to be a lot of times. (laughs) So, so what are we halfway across from each other then? Like, right now, what's going on? Yeah, this this half of the state, I would say. That's fair to say. This half of the state. I mean, compared to the entire size of the state, we're like, we're very close. We're probably within the same eighth, nay, even 11th of the state. All right, moving on. Cody, I have a question for you. <laughs> yeah, what you got? <laughs> Would you ever consider getting into solo games? Why or why not? <sighs> I've thought about this and probably not. Yep. <laughs> well, it was a short thought process, wasn't it? I know. Maybe, as always. Yes. I, I've kind of thought about this for some games that maybe I'm interested in that Kirsten probably wouldn't be interested in, or games that we already own that I really like that Kirsten doesn't really like, that I know has solo modes that I might try. But I really just don't see myself taking the time to sit alone in the game room and play a solo game. Well, here's the real, you know? here's the real thing that kind of made me want to ask this question is because games that you like are games that are basically multiplayer solitaire. Like, you want Hmm. the... Generally, you want the player interaction to not be direct. You want it to be indirect and not to... You don't want it to mess you up too much, right? And so at the end of the day, what you really like about most games, especially Euros and whatnot, is the puzzling nature and figuring out how to min-max and how to solve this puzzle in a new, unique way every time and doing it differently and trying to do it more efficiently which is all stuff you can do by yourself, right? And like you said, you know, if you have games that you really like that Kirsten doesn't, those are like never going to see the table hardly. Yeah, I think that describes my taste in games well, but it leaves out the aspect, like the other 50% of gaming for me, which is just being with friends or being around people. And so I I think just sitting there playing a solo game, I just get kind of, I don't know, sad, I think. Yeah. (laughs) I'd rather go play Skyrim or something. Or Elder Scrolls Legends. Something that's intended to be solo player. Although now, like, but the thing is now board games are, like, there are not very many games, I feel like, released without, like, a solo mode or something. And Mm -hmm. so, like, games are moving that way, kind of. But I think I would agree with you, like, at the core, they started as a social gather around the table thing. And that's still when they shine. Now, as far as game experience, you know, if the games that you like are like the games that you like, Cody 
then the actual game experience isn't affected too much by whether or not there are people sitting around the table. But the evening experience is very different. Exactly. The yeah. activity itself. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying a hard, like what, like a 90% no? Uh, if, if like I find myself where maybe Kirsten's working on something, she's like on the laptop or doing something, crocheting even, and maybe I don't want to like sit down in front of a screen, maybe I would find myself going into the game room still with Kirsten. So I'm still with someone and maybe I'd try to figure out some sort of solo, solo variant of the games that we already have. Right. Not that I have to figure them out. They they already exist. I would learn the ones that exist. And then <laughs> you just got to relearn the game half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Finally try uh, one of the Automas that come with all of the, the Stonemeyer games. Yeah, for sure. Viticulture or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll dive right into stuff I've played this week. It's a short list. Uh, let's kick it off with Radlands, a game I borrowed from you, on loan from you, Cody, to see if yep. it was something that Anna and I might be interested in. In. It was not on loan for very long. And not for very long. It's back in your possession. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I think the design is okay. Um, I think that there's too much luck. Like, I felt like one person could try and be really strategic with how they played their cards out. And then the other person could just, like, play a really good card and would, like, kill all the cards in the game or something like that. That happened way too often for, like, the two games that we played. Or somebody was being really strategic with their card placement and somebody else just had an OP card that they played, you know? And so that happened a little too often for me to enjoy. It started to feel like it was more luck-based. Um, I think the design is okay, but at the end of the day, like, we played it once and we were both like, that wasn't really that much fun. Yeah. But, like, it was short, so we could play it a second time and see how we feel. And after the second game, we're like, it's just <laughs> not fun. It's just not exciting. It's not, it's not, not enjoyable, time. really. Yeah, it's not worth my time. Yeah, what's the deal with this? It's rank 169 on the Geek. <sighs> That's insane, isn't like, it? Like, how is it that? It's like the crew, in my opinion. How I, I thought, like, the crew got all hyped up and then I tried it. I'm like, this, this is actually not that great, but it's super popular. Or so we're meant to believe. <laughs> so, I, it's not a recommend from me. And a lot of times I'll say, well, you know, I just, the game's just not for me. In this case, I would say, you know, I think there's actually flaws with it. I think it's just not that great, honestly. And I would not recommend it to somebody. So hmm. that's my analysis. All um, right. I also had a chance to bust out Plains Employees for Tapestry. Not much to say because honestly, Plains Employees just adds mostly civilizations. Yeah. It just kind of blends in. It does. It does. Um, so, but it was, it was nice to have some new civilizations to play with. Actually, something that did come into play are the like the reverse trap cards. Um, those are cool. If somebody plays a trap on mm. you, you can play a card from your hand that basically reverses the trap, more or less. Okay. And those actually were used in the one game we've played with Plans Employees. So that was cool. Appreciated that. Nice. And then also got to play Immortality, Immortality expansion for Dune Imperium. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. I thought the game was getting kind of bloated. Even with Rise of Ix, I was like, oh, it feels like there's a lot going on. After I played it a few times, I was like, okay, I'm cool with it. I really I really enjoy this expansion. Immortality, I was worried again. I was like, man, I feel like we're getting bloated. Like, there's mm. all, it's taken up a lot of table space. There's a lot of, like, non-main board stuff going on. But honestly, it, ha it, it lets you get more cards into your deck than normal because there's two buying phases there's two different cards you can buy with two different currencies now. Oh, and so okay. it lets you get more cards in your deck some of the cards that are included have this grafting technology where you can play two cards at the same time 
that's really cool. And then you have these other tracks on the side that honestly don't pull too much of your attention, but it's a nice little side thing to get some more bonuses and stuff. So honestly, good first experience with Immortality, and I'm really looking mm. forward to playing it more. I'm most excited by the fact that you said it lets you build your deck more because that that's kind of the most lacking part of Dune Imperium. It's like, it's a deck builder, but is it really a deck builder? It's a really slow deck builder. And I'm not saying this really ramps it up, but you'll get a few more cards into your hand from a second currency that you're accruing and you can buy simultaneously with and stuff. So, yeah. Hmm. And that's it for me. Are you are you sure about that? I know you've played another game. I know game. I played one other game, but we'll come back to that. Okay, all right. Want to know what I've been playing this week? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> played nothing. That was my guess. I mean, that's a, that's a lie. I've been playing games, but I since this is now the new game segment, I have no new games to announce. Is there and anything... Sorry, dude. Anything you've been playing this week that has not been mentioned before on the podcast? Anything at all? No, it doesn't have to be new to you, but anything uh, new? Nah, dude. I'm, I'm looking over my list. I've, I've got nothing. All, all the recent stuff... Like anything that was new or haven't mentioned before, I just mentioned it in the last podcast. So, yep, that's what I got. Lame. Pretty okay. dope. <laughs> well, um, as you as you mentioned, there is one game that I did not mention. That was my first time playing this week. But that happens to be our game of the week, Cody. So Dude, why don't we head on over what, to that segment? What a segue. It was beautiful. I kind of broke it, but yeah, let's do it. All right, Cody, it's the eternal question, and I feel like I feel like it falls on you today. Hey, hey, hey. I feel like I'll you have to explain that. this game. And yeah, you know what? I do know, it briefly, please. Like, it took you, like, what, 40 <laughs> minutes to explain it, like, the other night? So, you know, do it a little bit briefer than that. Hey, that was partially you and Anna's fault, because you kept distracting me with Listen, random stuff. I had had a beer, you know, I was like, I was, I was having a good time, and we got a little tangential, but... Sure, sure, I haven't sure. had a beer today, so... Even even as you said, no, okay, come on, Cody, let's ex- explain this. And then you like interrupted me again with something else. It was like unrelated. <laughs> I don't remember. So that. anyway, uh, yeah, quick abridged version of Wayfarers. Wayfarers. Oh, by is, the way, that's our game of the week. Wayfarers of the South. Stop Tigers. interrupting me, Nate. You just said Stop Wayf- it. Cody. You didn't no. even say the full name of the game. We haven't introduced Way- the game Wayfarers yet. Wayfarers of the South Tigris. <laughs> what more do you want from me? That's all. How many Cody, other Wayfarers that. games that. are there? I just want right. that. Way Wayfarers. <laughs> Hmm. Oh, you, you, you always do this, Cody. You're addicted to oh, the look. search engine oh, look. BGG. From 2022, rank 8,870, A Wayfarer's Tale. But, but <laughs> it starts it? with a. Uh, so if you, if you typed in Wayfarers or said Wayfarers, this should be the only game that we really know well, to talk about. But here's the thing. like if, if A Wayfarer's Tale is a game that's in your collection at home and you don't own Wayfarers of the South Tigris, if it's a game you play, you're like, hey, let's play Wayfarers tonight. Everybody knows who you're talking about, and it's not mm. Wayfarers of the South Tigers, Cody. <sighs> Respect the audience. So Wayfarers of the South Tigris, or Wayfarers as the cool kids know to call it, the abridged version of how it works. This is an exceedingly complex set collection game, basically. Because you can get points by doing other things, but primarily your points are going to come from having a complete set of four different icons, and you can do that multiple times, or having a whole bunch of the same icon, and then you get even more points potentially based on like the, the points per card, let's say that, the, the, the PCC 
Can we patent that right now? Points per card or the, the PPC? <laughs> yeah, if you get the acronym right, we can patent it. <laughs> PCC. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you want the abridged version, that's basically it. But other than that, you're yeah, you're collecting stuff. It's a dice placement and worker placement, but it kind of works. You know, there, there's like a, we talked about Champions of Midgard recently, you know, where that's sort of dice placement ish and worker placement. But really, it's just a worker placement game with dice assignment. Not so with Wayfarers of the South Tigris, if, if you must, if you must have clarification for all, all you three people out there who have even heard of a Wayfarer's Tale and played it. Where am I going with this? I don't know, Cody, you're starting to lose me. I know. <laughs> I'm not sure if I should interject and try and like salvage your sentence <laughs> or if I should it. let you see if you regain your feet. No, I got this. I got this. Unlike that, as we discussed in Champions of Midgard, it, it really is a hybrid blank uh, placement yeah. game of dice placement and worker placement. You've got spots where you can put your dice and you've got spots where you can put your workers, but they each operate very uniquely from each other. And those are the magical ways that define the magical game of Wayfarers. How'd I do? I feel like if I had been the one explaining it, probably would not have used the word magical anywhere in my uh, description. But other than that, I, I think I agree. <laughs> I guess it is. it really is like kind of a, an ancient science game. So how about the scientificalism of Wayfarers? I already want to jump into negatives, but I feel like we, we always start with positives, right? In general. We we do, but I mean, we could we could switch it up. We could do let's switch your it up, dislikes Cody, because you brought up the theme, and so let's talk about that. Um, Ooh, this is a negative for you. It's a negative, man, and I you might be on the other side of the fence here, but uh, like generally, I don't know. Shen Phillips games, like I'm just thinking about the West Kingdom trilogy. They're generally not that like mechanically. I feel. They're just not that immersive in theme. The art is very unique and it's very consistent. And it really floods the game with its presence. And so I'm not saying that isn't there. But like especially Wayfarers, what like when I'm playing the game, I just see a bunch of mechanisms in front of me. And I see mm. nothing else. And maybe part of that is because there's not much uh like character artwork. Um the only character there's only one deck of cards that has characters, like physical characters. And those, when you buy, you tuck them underneath something and you can't see it anymore. <laughs> then you never so, see them. There's almost no like faces yeah. and people and stuff in this game. It's all just symbols and numbers and colors, basically. And so, I feel like it, I feel like the the theme does not come through at all. Now, I think the theme is kind of cool. The wayfaring, you know, you're you're exploring and you're using the stars and all this kind of stuff. But the thematic ties are really, really thin. I think. And so, now listen, this is a negative because I've noticed it. It doesn't really bother me because I don't need strong theme connection necessarily in a game. Mm. The game has a very specific kind of aesthetic to it. And I like that. The theme I don't really care about and I don't care that it doesn't really connect too much and that it doesn't immerse me too much. You know, I feel like I'm just playing mechanisms and I think that's okay. But I worry as he starts producing more complex games more weighty games i worry if his games are going to start feeling more and more just like big puzzles instead of you know like i feel like the theme while not also while still not very immersive in the west kingdom games was more present than it was in this what do you think you use the word puzzle and that's what i was thinking like right at the same time too it's becoming more you're playing the puzzle 
as opposed to you're playing the story. And I don't know if that bothers me as much because I do love a good puzzle, but it definitely could be improved, perhaps, if the theme was a little bit more integrated like or, I said, you know, it doesn't really, tied to what you're doing. It doesn't really bother me too much either. But it's something I notice, and it's something that still needs to fall into the negative category because it might be something for somebody else. You know, other people, mm-hmm. that matters a lot more. And so I feel like it's worth mentioning, at least from that perspective. But it doesn't really impact my how I would rate the game or how I really feel about the game. So Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So I put... I also put theme under dislikes, but for me, this was more of a neutral thing. And I wasn't really even thinking about the disconnect from like the, the story with what, what you're doing is more just the actual, like the setting of the game, you know, more like, uh, is this kind of an Arabic mm-hmm. age and era? And you're kind of exploring, you know, literally you're wayfaring, <laughs> you're discovering <laughs> new, uh, areas of land and sea and, that's that's not a turnoff for me, but it's also not necessarily like, oh, wow, yeah, I want to play this. So, well, but I in think, a sense, that leads to a positive in that I enjoyed the game so much just for what it was. I mean, get used to it because, I mean, the whole South Tigris trilogy obviously is yeah. going to have the same vibe to it. You know, scholars and uh, what the other one is, inventors or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, like I said, yeah, not a huge thing. Uh, the only other thing really that I think stuck out to me as a negative was actually the dice aspect of the game. Now, Oh, really? Well, I like what the dice do, but, and I can't believe I'm saying this with Wayfarers, man. I wish <laughs> they did more. <laughs> because, well, just a little bit more, because yeah. I like how, like, when you roll your dice, they all go into their respective columns based on what number you rolled. And then the columns they're put in, there are different attributes assigned to those dice. And those are customizable attributes that you can use with tiles and stuff to basically customize your the numbers. But when you place the dice, the only thing that matters are the symbols or nothing at all. The numbers don't matter anymore. The numbers only matter for what column they get put in. And then when you actually place the dice, the numbers are completely irrelevant. That bothers me a little bit. That feels like a missed opportunity. You know, mm. I feel like there could have been a little more just spice thrown in with like, you know, so a little bit more like you know, placing a three here is better than placing a one here. But I don't know, maybe that would have made balancing it too difficult, you know? So I'm not sure. But I just kind of wish there had been something. With so many aspects running around in the game, balancing probably was a big issue. But let me me throw this at you. What if the columns were like a little bit longer? So you had like an extra row underneath so that a die could potentially have more effects. And then maybe even you have more pre-printed effects at the start. So instead of literally just having a one and a six that can do something, like maybe across the board, more of your dice can do stuff. No, I don't know if, like, because like I said, I feel like it's the number, I feel like, I just feel like there was a missed opportunity when there's a blank space and I'm like, well, I could put my two, my three, my or my four there and it really doesn't matter because they're all the same, you know. I feel like that's a missed opportunity. But like I said, in this game, all of the numbers, one through six, are basically equal. And the only thing that makes certain numbers different than others is the attributes that you assign to them, basically. And so mm-hmm. if you also make the number values, like if you make a six better than a three, depending on where you put it, now the numbers aren't balanced anymore. You know, And so then that yeah. messes up your little section where you can customize the attributes assigned to them. Be like, well, obviously I want to customize five more because it's better than two. You know, So if you don't put that in, then it makes all the numbers equal 
and you can focus more on like your pattern building with the design aspect. So mm. maybe it's not a good negative thing, but it was something that I was like, I feel like there could have been more here, you know? Okay, I'll allow it. But that's it for, I only, for negatives. I, okay, I also only had one other thing, and it's just the segmented board. The, the, oh, the yeah, multi it's kind of chintzy, board. huh? Well, it's just every time you, you accidentally bump it or you go to move something on one of the boards, you knock it off a little bit. And luckily, it doesn't really break that much, but it's just kind of irritating, you know? Listen, I, I'd prefer it would just be one folded board. I know that they did that so, well, for one, probably so it fits in the box better, but two, so that you can flip the boards to different sides so you have different game styles, but I I don't really care about it that much, you know? I didn't see you pull Wayfarers out of the box, but the boxes are intentionally bigger than the West Kingdom series, so is there Ooh, a space issue? Right. Hmm. Because here's the thing also, it, and it's it doesn't, even have, anyway, be, it doesn't so. even have to be a foldable board. It can be like... um. Like a puzzle piece thing. They can fit into each other. Tons of games have done this. Ooh, and you can do it so true. that it's not like going to get broken or damaged easily, you know? Lots of games have done this. And I, I, I don't know why they didn't, honestly. It feels a little chintzy because the board pieces aren't really touching. Like they are. But like you said, as soon as you like barely bump something, all of a sudden there's like this little gap in the board, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like the first, the first Catan, the first edition of Catan didn't have solid borders. The border pieces were also just hexes. And so it was just a bunch of hexes oh. mashed together and there was no board oh, containing terrible. everything. So it was like that. You bump something and the whole board just fractures a little bit, you know? It's yeah. the same kind of thing. And it's like, come on. It's, you know, it's 25, almost 30 years later. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Shem Phillips. Come on, Shem Phillips. How old are you? Sam McDonald, what are you guys doing? You're churning out good games. That's what you're doing. Because this doing. actually is a good game. Nate, let's talk about the good stuff. Let's talk about the good stuff. I'll hand it over to you. I'll let you start. Okay, yeah, all right. I, I've already spoken of this before. It might have been in a YouTube short, actually. But in Wayfarers, as is true of basically all the other Shem Phillips games, Garfield games, particularly the West Kingdom trilogy, everything affects everything. But this just feels like it's kind of turned up to 11, where it, 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 you, you want to do a thing? You want to do a thing, dude? You have to get a thing. But maybe you have to do the second thing in order to get the first thing, which lets you do the second thing. And so you have to go find a third thing, and there's just all all these little threads. I think I described it as it's like a if if you superimposed like a criminal mastermind spider web board with all the red wires like tied between everything, the red string. That's basically what this game is, but where all the pins are in the board is just like action places. It's really it's so intricately woven. Everything in this game is so intricately woven together. And the funny, like, this is the thing like, I, like that I realized yesterday that made me laugh. Like, I wanted to get a card. Just one card. I just needed one card. That's all I needed. I need that one card. Okay. I had to backtrack. And there, I, I figured, <laughs> like, okay. I, did, I figured everything out. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to do four different actions, four different steps just to get this one card. And so I went through all the all the hullabaloo. And at the end of it, dude, I ended up getting the card in a different way, a totally different way than I was planning on getting it at the first place because of like some side effect thing that happened and it unlocked the card in a different way that I didn't even see coming, you know? And that is like this game summed up. It's like there's everything is so intricately woven together and you have to do so much planning to get something, but there's so many different ways to do the same thing that it's like almost impossible to keep all of them in your mind at the same time. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely felt that. So it's like on you finish your turn and then on the other people's turns, you're like, okay, so you're going to do something something like this. Uh, oh, no, but now I got to do Okay, so I need to do that. And then it gets back around to your turn. You're like, uh. <laughs> you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't doing know what stuff. to do. The funny yeah. thing is there's, there's, there's quite a bit of downtime in this game, but at the same time, there's almost no downtime because your mind is always active. <sighs> and if it's not, your turn will be noticeably longer. <laughs> yeah. The gerbils in the game room don't help with that either. <laughs> Some of us can tune out. Yeah. All right. So that's my first positive. What's yours? Um, well, honestly, I think I'll start out with something that's kind of a neutral positive, um, which was the player interaction in the game. So one of our, one of your and my major differences is that I prefer more player interaction in a game. And also direct mm-hmm. is fine. I like to mess with people and I don't like other people messing with me but i you know i appreciate their uh, you know their right to do that in a game where that's allowed um this game is kind of in the middle for me it's there's more interaction than some other games like paladins for example um you know you're placing influence tokens that affect what other other actions that people might do you know and you're, there's tracks that you're all moving along at the same time where you're kind of competing for little mini things and there's a lot of different cards that everyone is allowed to you know attain so you're kind of trying to figure out what other people might want you know all of this kind of stuff i like i wish there was more player interaction but there's enough that it, it's not a negative either you know so that's okay. kind of like a positive neutral thing as far as player player interaction goes how, how do you feel about the amount that is in this yeah, I feel like there was an appropriate amount for it, with the exception of those influence tokens don't quite do yeah, they're what not they that could be doing. Right? Yeah, you almost need less spaces so that placing an influence token, like it has more power, or just, I don't know, you can put out more, some, something like that. And the thing is, like, so you're placing these influence tokens on cards, and the cards are aligned with worker spaces. But the cards also move. Whenever somebody buys a card... Some of the cards are going to change spaces, and so the card will now be aligned with a different worker space. And so you can't even like snipe the like a spot that's like really good that you think people are going to want to go to because if somebody buys a card, it might move to a different spot anyways. You know, mm-hmm. so you can pick a card that you think people might want, but you can't pick a card and a spot really effectively. Yeah, I guess I mean it depends on if you're picking a card and you know it's going to slide over to this next spot because you're going to take the card in front of it. Yeah, so but there's, you, there's you don't know what other people amount. are going to do either. Yeah, that's the thing. So yeah, it's a good point. All right. Well, my second positive is options. You you know I love building my own my own little engine, my own little puzzle, and with that, that can get kind of boring if the game is the same every time. So I like I like having options. I like having different avenues to pursue victory. And there are so many options in the game. Let's break this down. You've got different types of workers. You've got your well, actually, different types of types of workers. <laughs> yeah, right. So you have your workers, and in those workers, there's different colors, and so those have different places they can go and give you different benefits. And then you also have your dice, and all the dice are different. Assuming you roll different dice, you don't roll three twos like I did my first turn. Which is kind of useless. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then I rerolled one. I got another two. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about that. So you, you got options there. You've got options on the board with all these different places you can go to, to put workers in the first place. I like that there's even options to get the same thing. Like, let's say you want a yeah. land card. You can use the spot that comes pre-printed on your board where you have to pay provisions, but you'll get a land card and a coin. Or you could use the printed spot that's on the main board 
where it's more expensive, you spend more provisions, but you have more options of cards that you can look through. So that's cool. Or you can potentially oh. use some card you got that gives you a worker space that lets you acquire the same thing. Because there's lots of cards in this game that create more like dice worker spots for you that let you accomplish yeah. the same goals as other things. Yeah, I don't know if there's specifically one that lets you actually get more land cards. Because I don't know if I've seen a land card that the, gives like you the like... yellow cards? It, yeah, like an explore spot. Yeah, there was. I had one last were, night. Were there? Yeah. Okay. Oh, sure. okay. All the ones I had just let me do other stuff. So I, I guess I just assumed that they were a little bit different. But anyway, you got options there. You've got uh, options for even how you want to score. So are you going to focus on getting a bunch of the same card uh, icon so you can get a bunch of points off of that? Are you going to try to diversify and get multiple sets? Um, are you going to run a game where you're focusing more on getting lots of water-based cards so you need a lot of ship tokens? Or are you going to focus on the left side of your board, just try to get land? You need a lot of camels. I could go on and on, but there are a lot of options. <laughs> he could go like on that. and on about camels and pigeons and... Boats. Hey, hey, you like this game. Shut up. <laughs> my, like, the next thing I wanted to mention is pretty similar. I was kind of, I would kind of say it almost has a sandboxy feel, you know? Like, you don't start the game with a clear directive on what you're trying to accomplish necessarily. And this actually messed me up a little bit when I was playing the game. Um, but it, there's, there's, just, there's just endless possibilities, basically, you know? There's so many different things you can do, and there are so many different ways to do those things. And so you're a little bit, you have to pick something to focus on at the beginning. You can't try and juggle everything in your mind because you will just get completely lost and you won't yeah. accomplish anything. And that's good. Like, I like that. I, I, it's a little bit overwhelming, you know, and this is something you mentioned when you first played this game that you like, you sat there on your first turn like, okay, if I want to do that, how do I do it? oh, I can do it three different ways. <laughs> and yeah. they all require different steps and different, you know? And so that's kind of fun though, because it really, like, if if you play this game and you enjoy it, there's also a lot of replayability in this. There's a lot of, you know, not even, it doesn't even have to be with the different cards that turn up in a game. It's just within the game itself, just all the different avenues, you know? I love it. It's, it's really well designed. But like I said, yeah. it messed me up a little bit because, you know, you have this main track and in the middle of the board, which is basically the timer. My problem was I was kind of, I was viewing that as kind of my main goal, like always like thinking about the requirements on that track and like, okay, that's my next goal. That's my next goal. I got to keep moving on this. Mm -hmm. But you don't get really any points from that track, actually. You get points in very different ways, you know? And so it's, yeah. Well, yeah, you indirectly so get points from the benefits it provides, but it's not like the farther you are on the track. Right. There's no points the other... towards the end or something. Yeah, like all the West Kingdom games, like the farther up on a given right. attribute track you are, you're going to unlock increasingly more points. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Well said. Um, this is a little more superficial, but I like the piece colors. They're, they're a little bit different, a little bit more unique, perhaps. You've got a... They're not quite pastels. They are kind of similar to the Dune Imperium uh, piece color set, except you don't have a green. It's more of like a uh, like a sky blue. Mm -hmm. Looks really nice. I'm not a, I'm not a color person. I don't, I'm not colorblind either. You know, you Somewhere know in the saying. middle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How about you? You kind of like those too, didn't you? I think the blue, especially like when I walked in and saw the pieces, I was like, ooh, blue looks nice. You know, like, oh, that, it's, a, it's a color that stands out to you when you see it. You're like, hey, that's a that's a cool, unique yeah. player color. You know, get this champion to the Midgard 
you know, primary color crap out yeah. of my face. You know, give me something interesting and new. The yellow also to the was kind of nice. point where you're upset that Anna took the blue one. I was. I was like, oh, I'll take blue. Oh, Anna already has blue. Of course she does. Because it looks amazing. The yellow is fine yeah. too. Like you said, it's kind of this like muted kind of almost toffee color, kind of like Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, the purple's basic, but you don't see purple often as a player color. So, you know, that's, no. that's unique also. Um, yeah, so I think it's fine. In general, the aesthetic is just kind of like peaceful in a way which is funny because the game looks so chaotic you know yeah but yeah i I dig it it's all right yeah that's me what you got that's more or less it like the last thing i wanted to say was kind of what you said at the beginning which is just how interconnected everything is and i feel like we're we've kind of iterated and reiterated that aspect a lot so i won't go into it much more but it's kind of it's the core of the game and it what it's what makes the game so puzzly and so replayable. So I, I really appreciate that. Excellent design. Yeah. Must have taken forever. Oh, so so much playtesting, I bet, had to go into this. So much balancing. I have two kind of final thoughts here. First, it fits on the table. It's a little thing. It's a little thing. But Garfield Games, you, you finally succeeded. You can have a four-player game where your board is not being pushed off the edge of the table. Yeah, thank I you. like it. That's thank good. you, Garfield, for making the cards go horizontally from my board instead of vertically (laughs) so yeah that was nice the other thing i feel like the game is complex but you have direction asterisk your second time through the game (laughs) yeah your first time important asterisk wow yeah yeah so i mean this this well, that was my second play. It was your first play. So I'll we'll have to see what you think the second time through. But my first game, I was like, uh, I, I don't know. Well, uh, I can, I'll can. i take you know this what? thing. Yeah, that looks nice. And I appreciate that about this game because you absolutely schooled me. You like had twice the amount of points I had almost. <laughs> I I appreciate that. Like that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a game that is meant to be played again and again. Right? It is. You play it once and by the end of the game, you're like, okay, now I need to play this again because now I mm-hmm. understand what I should do. Kind of, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know where the majority of the points come from. It's those sets and then a couple other secondary spots. But, but the you, thing you is, know even if you know that together. going into the game, which, I mean, you explained that. I knew that going into the game. It just gets still pushed to the wayside almost, uh-huh. you know, because there is so much going on. And there were multiple times when I was playing the game where I was like, I don't feel like what I'm doing really matters. But because of the central thing in the board where you have all of these requirements, if you want to advance on this track... That was the thing that kept driving me, and I just wasn't thinking about points. And I kind of knew it during the game, but I just didn't comprehend the game well enough to be focusing on points and trying to complete the objectives in the middle, you know? Yeah. So I kind of knew from the beginning I was going to lose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's okay, dude. Coming in last just has to happen sometimes, you know? It does. It's hard when most of my games are two-player and my wife is better at games. Yeah, guys, you kind of start to get used to it, you know? Do you think Anna is? Uh, in general, yes. Like the Careful, more does she listen to this podcast? <laughs> the more complicated the game, the more likely it is she'll win. I think. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Hmm. She really takes the time to think through like every possible iteration of a decision. Yeah, a little bit of analysis paralysis as well. But yeah. All right. Well, look at that. We're keeping time. We set goals for ourselves. We're trying to make this like a reasonably timed podcast. Unless you guys really like long podcasts and then you're going to be disappointed that this isn't 90 minutes this time. And hey, I don't know. let us know in the comments. Speaking of things like analysis paralysis, that may be lingo 
that if you are not really into the hobby yet, you may not be familiar with. And so if you're new to the hobby, stick around because we have some advice for you. Stick around for right now. For right now, because there's no intro. There's no no segue music. No, there's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we wanted to, as our board banter this week, we wanted to talk about some advice for people that are getting into the hobby. Just, and we, we honestly, Cody and I did not really talk about what topics necessarily. We just put this out. We're like, hey, let's just come up with some stuff that would be good for people to know when they're getting into the hobby. So I have a list of things. Cody has a list of things. I have no idea where your thought process went. I'm sure there's some yeah. similar ideas here. There has to be. But I'm guessing you probably thought of things that I didn't think of and hopefully vice versa. So Yeah. Well, how you put this to me via the Google Doc was, and I quote, beginner mistakes slash things we wish we'd known. So I kind of approached it more from that. I don't know if you were thinking of well, some additional caveats here, but we'll just see what happens. A lot of mine would fall into the mistakes category. And I feel like the rest of them fall into the things we wish we knew. You okay. Know? Because I feel like some of my things are like, hey, this is a really good thing to know about when you're getting into the hobby. It might not be a mistake, but if you don't know about it for a while and you find out about it later, you might wish you had known about it earlier. So kind of both. Kind of both. Let's go with that. Kind of both. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who should hit us off then? Why don't you hit us off, Cody, since you're like just just a little bit looking down on my list. I want you to start. I'm look- I'm not looking down on your list, just bro. Just a little bit, Cody. Just Depends how long it is. <laughs> Although I am curious, how, how many things were you able to come up with for this list? I wrote down about seven, but I think some of them also are kind of, there's some overlap between even some of mine. Okay. All right. Well, I have six. There might be some moderate overlap, but yeah, okay. Let's just, let's just go with the first one. Board Game Atlas slash Board Game Oracle. And th- this is kind of melancholy because I don't know if you know this. I Nate, do know this, but Cody. I know. Where at, yeah. Going. Okay. All right. As of August twenty third, Board Game Atlas has closed. The website is down. I got to be honest. I'm not surprised so, because yeah, we mentioned I was this. We, well, we mentioned this a couple of episodes ago, and I was like, "Yeah, there's a lot of like glitchy things on their website where you'll click things will be like listed for like thirty seven cents and like their like their algorithm or whatever they were using to list these these games was really getting messed up by stuff and so I don't I don't, I don't know any like there wasn't a lot of information on why Board Game Atlas closed but or why they why they stopped but if it, I don't know if it had anything to do with these kind of like like what I stopped using Board Game Atlas a while ago because it was so like half of the stuff that showed up on there was like irrelevant or or wrong just plain wrong you know yeah. and so it wasn't nearly as useful as board game oracle anymore well i i didn't even know about board game oracle so i'm glad you let me know about that the other day because that's that's what i'm using now but man it's it's board game atlas all my all all like one and a half to two of my price drop alerts that i'm signed up for are gone now i'm gonna have to reset one those and a half to two <laughs> i had like 20 man oh uh, really <laughs> none of them ever triggered I, I was a little too optimistic <laughs> yeah i didn't spend much time doing that but we've gone too long talking about board game atlas without actually saying what it is for any yeah, any for new it. listener who has never used this board game atlas is a price searching like algorithm website for board games so you go on there you type in a game you're thinking about getting let's say you want to get blitzkrieg world war ii in 20 minutes yeah palomori you don't have to type in all that just type in blitzkrieg type in yeah that'll really confuse (laughs) yeah it's pretty confusing for the algorithm but the then the drop down starts populating with the most commonly related board games Wait, to the search that you typed up, in. Did, what, what? did you just say the drop-down starts populating? Yeah. 
what kind of lingo is that? It's, I, like, I know what you mean. A, I know what you mean, but what kind of lingo is that? It, right? It worked. <laughs> it took what me do a you second. Want from me, dude? It took me a second. All right. Okay. And there's all somebody right. listening to this who still doesn't know. They're they're searching that right now. They'll get it. They they already get it. <laughs> you 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 have little faith and confidence in the intelligence of our average oh, listener, Nate. Populating. All right, go on. <laughs> But they show you little pictures of the game. So if you see like two Blitzkrigs, but you know what the box cover of the one you want to get looks like, it's it's right there. You can just click on it. It's awesome. And then it shows you organized price, low to high, all the different places online where you can go to buy that game. And all, all, all you folks out there who are like me, you know, like, I use Amazon to buy my board games. I'm going to buy some board games on Amazon because that's, that's the cheapest. Then you find Board Game Atlas and you realize, oh... There are other websites that sell games that, assuming you you buy enough games at one time, you can still get free shipping and pretty quick shipping, and you can make some stellar deals. I will piggyback on this because this is also one of the things I wrote down. I didn't even write down Board Game Atlas because it's kaput, but (laughs) Board Game Oracle definitely is a good one now. And yes, my my regards to Board Game Atlas. I did use use you. <laughs> I did. Use, that was a good scat solo, dude. <laughs> I did use you for a while, uh, but I once I found Board Game Oracle, I started using it more because it felt like the the smoother smoother process. Uh, but I also want to I also want to pitch in Board Game Geek Marketplace. Um, if there's a specific ah, game you're okay. looking for and you don't mind buying used. Or even like, yeah, like used, but a lot of times you can find new or like, you know, mint games, basically. Um, that's really cool, too, especially because a lot of times you can do trades, you know. So basically, you just go to Board Game Geek Marketplace and you can search in the game. And there will be tons of people probably on there that are trying to sell the game. And it tells you what country they're in, how much they're listing it for. And you can just contact them directly on Board Game Geek. And yeah. It's really, it's really smooth. I've bought a handful of games that way. And you can, a lot of times you can even do trades. People have lists. You know, if you're familiar with Board Game Geek, people have lists of games that they want, games that they want to trade, games that they would like to get in a trade, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so it's also a pretty cool way of finding games if you don't mind, you know, getting one second hand or something is also another good resource to use. Have you ever bought anything, Cody, off BGG? I know you generally buy new, so... Yeah, and I, I've I've never bought from that. Some if I ever buy a used one, it's like a local pickup. Which now that I think about, it, I don't think I've ever done that either. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were to ever do that, maybe well, it I would know be. I've gotten some. Oh, no, no, it it would be if it was like through eBay, like Tapestry. I have a used copy of Tapestry, but I I got it on eBay, so it's probably the primary used. Like it was open avenue. and unpunched. Yeah, yeah, like like someone had played it and then they just sold it okay. on eBay. Okay, how much did you get it for? Tangent. Um, uh, it was the game and, uh, both expansions before the final one, uh, with Fantasies and Futures. I think it was like 85 or 90. That's not bad. Three. That's not bad total. Yeah, it was pretty good. All right. Um, actually it's back to you now, Cody, cause I piggybacked on you and added to one of yours. So. Oh, so that counts. Okay. <laughs> uh, well you, you sort of brought one up that I feel like well, cool. is maybe a given, but we definitely need to say board game geek itself. Yeah. Y'all, y'all got to use this. Super useful. Even if you don't watch like any game reviews for a game that you're interested in, if you start understanding the Board Game Geek rating system, you see what its rating is, how many ratings it's received, and then just the rank of the game, you can get a really good impression on the quality of a game. And it's especially useful when you're starting off and you're like, hey, that game, that, that game looks good. It looks fun. I like that theme. 
But then you can type it in BoardGameGeek. You're like, oh, it's rank like 7,879, which isn't very good. Unless it like just came out and it got announced and then it just hasn't had time to move up in the algorithm, in which case there are, there are some exceptions there that you don't know. But exceptionally useful resource. I mean, it goes far beyond just being able to see what rank a game is. You can view uh, fan-submitted pictures of games. You can track uh, your own collection for games that you own, games that you want to get. You can kind of network and talk with other people on there. There's forums. It's a magical place. So, Nate, you want, you want to jump on this? Yeah, so I'll piggyback again because the forums specifically are one of the things I wrote down. I think the forums are a goldmine because if you... Mm-hmm. especially if it's a more popular game because obviously the more popular the game the more forums are going to be on there and that is a gold mine for you know small rule problems you know like if you need a rule clarification that's not in the rule book board game geek forums you know if uh if you're trying to find a good two-player variant for a game that plays better at three or four board game geek forums somebody's probably posted their own version of a two-player variant, if not the official two-player variant, if it's out there, you know? I've done that a lot. Um, Just for anything, information about when a game might be released or, you know, all sorts of stuff. Maybe like, hey, how did you fit, you know, the two expansions and the base game all in the same box, you know? Mm -hmm. Here's a whole forum post about that, you know? So it is an absolute goldmine for anything, really, that you need to know about a game. And if you're not sure, start your own forum and probably people are going to jump on it if it's something interesting or relevant about the game. So... Board Game Geek in general, like, yes, very useful. Would definitely recommend it. The forum, spe- uh, the forum section specifically, I have used an absolute ton, and it's very valuable. Yeah. I will just say I don't really use the forums that much at all, with the exception of for rules questions, because somebody has already asked any question that you probably thought of. And it's pretty cool, especially if it's, I don't know, like a Stonemeyer game. Like, Jamie Stegmeyer himself will jump in there and he'll answer the question. Oh, yeah. You see designers and artists and publishers all the time on the forums answering questions and stuff. Super useful. That's what I like in general about the board game community is that it's so small and fairly tight knit. That yeah. the, the designers and the producers and the artists and all these people are not so lofty and high above the rest of us. Like, you know, it's, it's we're not dealing with Hollywood celebrities. Like, they're just kind of normal people and mm-hmm. they browse the forums too and they talk with people and, you know, it's nice. It's down to earth. Yeah. One of my favorite moments from that is Castles of Burgundy. This is a game translated from German. And so, you know, I, I didn't even think that this would be a an aspect of it, but there's some of the pieces or some of the descriptions in the rule book that don't quite like carry over super well to English, <laughs> or I don't know, the translators just didn't put in like as much effort possibly. But I looked up a clarification on a piece um, related to the rules text, and it is drastically different from if you just read it like verbatim in English. Mm. And so I'm really glad that people took the time to say like, actually, in German, this is what it means. You're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. But you have a German wife now, so you're, you're not going to have that problem. Exactly. I'll just have her look at the German. And yeah, I like the yeah. like Castles of Burgundy, and I think a lot of Feld games in general, like there's multiple languages in the rulebook, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. St- what you got? Still you, do, man. I piggybacked I go- again. You got to be a little you, you more- You keep You got to be a little more original, Cody. This is like Boggle, all right? If you want points, you got to pick something I haven't picked. Well, the thing is, you keep picking what I pick, so I'm getting all the points here. Maybe I should give you the opportunity to come up with something original, right, you and then I can piggyback off of that. Yeah, yeah I'll do that, that okay. for you. Do it. This is kind of a... There's there's at least one other thing I've written down that kind of connects with this, but I'll start with this one, which is 
If you're just getting into the hobby, figure out what you like. It's really important to figure out what you like because if you're just getting in into the hobby, maybe you've kind of heard about some things. Maybe you've experienced, I don't know, Catan or something like that. But there are a lot of games. There are thousands being released every year. And there are a lot of different types of games, different complexities, ratings, different player counts, different types of player interaction. There are so many different aspects to what goes in, into what makes a game that you really need to just spend time figuring out what you like. And kind of so kind of piggybacking on my own thing, there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, I would not recommend what Cody does more than I do, which is just buying games he thinks he would like and then playing them once and realizing, <laughs> ah, I'm going to sell it. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. I get more games to talk about. <laughs> you do. You do. But at what cost, Cody? <laughs> money. But um, yeah, just straight up money. But, you know, yeah. for example, libraries, I think. If there's a library near you, just go check it out. You might be surprised. They might have a decent board game collection there. Um, finding board game cafes, you know? Like you, a lot of times there's an entry fee of like five bucks or something, but then you can sit there, you can meet other people, you can play games with people, meet people who like to play games. And it's a, there's a lot of different opportunities to just try out games before you buy them, you know, and it, it helps you figure out what you like instead of just like buying copious amounts of games and playing, you know, all of them, which is unlikely, first of all, but, you know, playing all of them and realizing 75% of them just don't vibe with you and you don't want them. And if you had played that at a cafe for five bucks instead, you would have realized that and saved yourself the time and the money and the disappointment, you know? And so I think it's really important, however you do it, to figure out what you like and not be not not being afraid to, after you figure out what you like, don't be afraid to try new things still, but, you know, figuring out with what you like without too much of an expense to you, I think is is really important. Unless you just want to be obsessive and just buy games constantly, which some people do. (laughs) Here's the thing. I don't know if that's as easily done as it is said, because just kind of experiencing the hobby itself, like that, that's how you're going to learn what you like. It's almost more of a passive thing as opposed to an active thing, I would argue. What's a passive thing? Well, like discovering what you like. It's, it's kind of hard to really decide like actively, like, I'm going to figure out what games I like. It's more like you just have to play games. And oh, yeah. you kind of like slowly realize like, oh, you know, I kind of like this. And then at that point, you have some groundwork to be like, okay, I really like deck builders. And so I'm going to start exploring more deck builder games. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think my what I'm saying is more about uh, the means. How do you go about doing it? You know, and so I think there's mm. like libraries and board game cafes and even just finding people like the, here's the thing. If you can find people in your area that play games, they probably want to play with you because there aren't a lot of other people that play board (laughs) games. Like it's a really niche hobby. And so, you know, also just finding people who have games and getting to play theirs, you know, there are a lot of games that I've gone over Cody to your house and played with you. And some of them, like I remember actually specifically underwater cities. I think we were like halfway through the game with my first time playing. I just sat back and I was like, Oh, this is a good game. I need to get this one, you know, (laughs) whereas there were other games that I, I was actually interested in that you ended up buying before I did. And I went to your mm. house and we played it and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't buy this. This would have been a big ah, mess for me. You know, you're welcome. <laughs> exactly. Thanks for taking the bullet, Cody. So yeah. like, that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's just how you go about it. You know, instead of just straight up buying games constantly, you know, doing your research before is also good. But in general, if there's if you can find other avenues to try them, I would I would recommend it personally. That's just yeah. me. 
All right. Well, I'm not going to piggyback off of that, but what I have <laughs> is related in a sense. Uh, get get to know game reviewers you like. Maybe not in person, hey. unless you you know them in person. Like that'd be cool. Maybe if you know Nate and I in person, get to know us. You should check Thanks out our for podcast. Listening to this podcast, <laughs> yeah, Tabletop Shop. Um, but there, there's so many reviewers on there. Of course, there is the there is the Iron Pillar of the Dice Tower, which is the backbone of the industry itself. You're losing me with the metaphors here. <laughs> you know it's it's a tower it's an iron pillar even though it's made of stone it's a backbone it's all these these rigid structures that we're talking about go check out the dice tower if you haven't already i'm sure you have if if you're listening to us if you've heard of us then you've heard of the dice tower those aren't really related things but you can't really have heard of us without having heard of the dice tower that's probably true i'm guessing there's a pretty large crossover in our audiences (laughs) i i'm not i'm not trying to make that sound arrogant like were associated in any way, but you, you know where I'm going with right, that. of course. But besides them, uh, there's plenty of other big game reviewers, and there's probably thousands, maybe even thousands upon thousands of up-and-coming game reviewers. I don't know if Nate and I are included in that number, but <laughs> there's going to be any number of personalities of people who are willing to just play games and then make a video about it on YouTube to tell you what it's like and if it's good or not. And that oftentimes saves you a lot of money and grief of having to... You can go and buy games yourself and give them a try. Unless, here's the cool thing, you can become a game reviewer. You can get signed up to get free review copies, and then you get free games that may be good or not. (laughs) And if you're just starting out, they probably won't be. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Had some experience with that. Yeah, Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, Yeah, uh, something, you know, similar along the same lines. I would say finding... uh, Okay, so if you're just getting into games... And you've never really had the experience of learning a game from scratch. So if you're just getting into games, probably the games you've played before were at other people's house. They taught you how to play whatever. But if you buy a new game, let's say you buy Wayfarers of the South Tigers, all right? You put it on your table, you pull out the real book, you go to page one, and you just start reading. You are probably going to get lost. I don't want to say you're going to get lost really quickly, but just I'll cut to the chase and I'll say how to play videos on YouTube are a much, much easier, more comprehensible way to learn a game. And this is coming from somebody who loves to read. I absolutely love reading. So I'm not saying like reading isn't a good way to learn something, but in general, it's a, I, I tend to use the rule book as more of a reference if I have questions during the game. And a lot of times I just use how to, how to play videos now when I'm learning how to play a game for the first time, because they're just, yeah. it's so much simpler and easier. And you can have the game out and you can be doing stuff while they're talking and showing you things, you know? So yeah, that's you something. You can pause I, the video and then resume whenever you want yeah. to. It's pretty nice. Yeah. Highly recommend that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's one of the other main things I had was just watch how to play videos. Super useful. My my technique, if you can establish a technique out of this, is I like to watch the video. And then after I watch the video all the way through, maybe I need a, a second playthrough or a second run through, possibly. That's not always the case. But usually I then start getting the game set up and I go off of the rule book. And just having kind of the general idea of how most everything works makes reading the rule book so much easier. And it's a, it's, it's a breeze at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because if you do it the other way around, if you read through the whole rule book first, and then you go to watch the video, it's a lot harder to skip around a video. Whereas if you watch the video first, all the way through, then when you're setting up with the, with the manual, you can kind of just easily flip to pages and find things. If you have questions while you're setting stuff up and going through the game, Mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't work so well the other way around. Yeah. 
And the thing is, how to play videos, they're basically regurgitated rulebooks, which means somebody already took the time to learn everything. And, you know, some rulebooks are good, some rulebooks aren't so good. Either way, in both situations, it's going to be very helpful to have someone who can basically break down the basic concepts of what you're doing in a more human way as opposed to like a linear rulebook way. Yeah, because also, like you said, there are bad rulebooks, and sometimes the rulebooks are not even linear. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, that, that was a sort of a piggyback for me, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw this one in there. You, you're gonna, you're gonna encounter Kickstarter. It's gonna be real <laughs> tempting and you'd be like, ah, this is a new game coming out. I, I could be someone who like got one of the first copies. I can help bring this about. Y yeah, sure. I know it's gonna cost like 50% more than if I just bought it retail uh, a year from now, but I just, wow. It's, just, mm. it's, all, it's, it's gonna be exciting. Back games carefully. Try to do some research. Don't don't just trust if a game says like we are a good game and we are like this game. Like it's it probably isn't. Let's just say that. It's probably not. It's probably not that good. Back good games. I will say that I think a lot of times a lot of times when a game goes to retail, a lot of times it was cheaper on Kickstarter actually, like if you just did the base pledge. Um Sometimes the price is, you know, pretty much the same. The the times where you get into negative is if you do like a super whatever pledge, you know, an all in pledge or something, you know, some Kingslayer pledge or something, you know, like that. <laughs> and then you don't like the game and, and then you like try and sell it secondhand. Then those copies are like, then you lost a ton of money. If you, if you go all in on something and try to sell it secondhand, you're not going to be able to sell it for the same price you kickstarted it. No way. So that's where you that's where you can get really get burned. If you're just doing base pledges, I don't think you'll ever get burned on the price too much, honestly. I don't know, like because you're you're also paying like a flat rate shipping with shipping there too, too, right? That's never included in, yeah. in the the advertised price. That's true. Yeah. So I I feel like you could always find a game for much cheaper if you get it like Game Nerds or Boardlandia or something like that after the fact. Granted, you have to be patient. You have to wait a year, but. If you back the Kickstarter, you're going to wait a year anyway. Listen, here's the like, thing. That's just how it is. There's so many... Listen, especially now, if you're getting into the hobby now. Okay. Listen, I understand if you got into the hobby 25 years ago, but if you're getting into the hobby now, just ignore Kickstarter. I mean, there is <laughs> there are an absolute slew of games out there waiting to be played. Just completely ignore Kickstarter. Don't, play, don't, don't be chasing the hot, trendy stuff. There are so many solid games out there. Just go find the ones that are just even just a few years old, you know? Okay. Well said. Um, what you got? I think kind of... I'll mention something quickly because it's a short one. Um, and then I'll go to my last one. Um, uh, there's good Facebook groups out there too. Um, so hmm. the board game group on Facebook is a good one. Board game excitement is another good one. Um, if you're... Well, okay. For noobs, I guess the board game, whatever it is, the test, the design lab or whatever, that's not really a good one for new people. But um, uh, yeah. between the board game group and board game excitement, and then there's also a few groups for buying and selling board games. Between all of those, those are all good ones to to follow and use, I would say. I use them all the time. Yeah, I need to use them more. I don't spend like particularly that much time on Facebook, or at least I don't spend that much time interacting um, in those communities, but... They are pretty, pretty <laughs> helpful and and really good just for news too. If you're not going to interact, like you'll still see, like you'll you'll be in the know with stuff. Yeah, especially if something happens that's important, like somebody will immediately be posting about especially it. Especially about new releases and stuff. People are always posting yeah. stuff about new releases. Yeah, 
Okay, so that's that's a small one. Um, my last one is that it can be really, really addictive. You have to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because people may not realize this when they get into it. You, neither you nor I did. But I, I mean, like, I don't want to say anything about people who like, cause I, you know, I don't know our listener fan base, whatever, but there are some people that I cannot relate to that are, it has become an addiction and they mm-hmm. are just constantly buying games. Like at the rate that they could not possibly be playing them as fast as they're buying them. You know, like I said, there are thousands of games being released every year. And if you're just getting in, there's a solid 25, 30 years of games waiting for you already that are, you know, good to play. And so it's a slippery slope. Tread with caution. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's well said. I'll I'll throw on top of that. This happens with any hobby, but hobbies can kind of become your life and they become possibly more important than they should be. Just, just be wary of that. Again, a hobby is meant to be a hobby. It's, it's not, it's not meant to, to dominate every aspect of your life. Unless it's your profession, then, then that's a little bit different. But it's, it's okay. If you lose a game, you don't have to flip the table. It's okay. You can shake hands with the person. You can smile at them, and then you can just think really angry thoughts at them as you drive home. Like that's fine. Just be nice. Yeah. Be nice out there. Come on. Yeah. Do what we all do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, my final thing. This is just a little practical tip for you. Not that any of these things aren't practical, but it's this this is a small practical tip. Just get some game bowls, some game trays, <laughs> something that you can dedicate in your gaming space if you have one or wherever you keep your games that are just neutral containers that you can put any game piece in for the current game that you're playing. It's super nice. It makes it easy for one, just to put the game away when you're done. You don't have to like try to slide all the pieces off the table and collect them you can just dump the the cup or the bowl right back into the bag um and it it looks nice it looks profesh it looks legit and if you're getting into garfield games just go ahead and buy some upgraded components because they'll be useful in like all of his games (laughs) every single game yeah get yourself some silver coins and some provisions you're good to go right on well, Cody, I'm yeah. glad you had another one because I felt like with the addiction thing, we were about to end on a somber note. So nah. I'm, gra- I'm glad you yeah. brought it back up. <laughs> Accessories. Awesome. And remember, round markers aren't necessarily round. Well, thank you folks for tuning in to the Tabletop Shop podcast as always. You know, I don't know how many people make it to this point in the podcast. You probably all mm-hmm. stop listening when the when the the title card title card end credits card plays. But thank you yeah. guys for listening. Isn't that right, Cody? Yeah, that's right. You know what? We should start having some sort of special prize for anyone who has like listens all the way through to the end. I don't know what. Hmm. Maybe it's just hearing our sweet voices one last time. I like but it probably should be more than that. I like that. We'll, we'll talk about that author. All right. All right. We'll talk. Hey, listeners, have a great day or night. Enjoy that casserole in front of you.